With this uh, chaotic presidential election in the U.S. amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, all these accusations of voter fraud, uh, a lot of the uh, very, very uh, weird, radical, abhorrent behavior on the Trump Trump campaign side, it was easy to overlook uh, many key issues. And one of the key issues was the historical significance of Kamala Harris being elected as the next vice president of the United States. She will be the first woman vice president, also the first uh, woman of color, uh, both being um, an African-American as well as an Asian-American with her Indian ties. And so we're going to try to get the significance of what this means for society as a whole and some of the positive changes we can see uh, going forward in the U.S. as Harris is set to become the new VP uh, of America. And we're very pleased to have joining us uh, from the Department of uh, Political Science and African American Studies at Purdue University, Professor Nadia Brown on the line to help us out. Hello. Hi, hello. Hello to you. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Uh, I think there was quite a contrast when you saw the uh, acceptance speech or the victory speech once the networks called Pennsylvania uh, for Biden, and and you saw the two uh, come up on stage and and give their speech. And I think uh, a a generous gesture by uh, Biden to have uh, Harris come out first and and speak for an extended period of time. But in contrast to 2016, where there was a lot of tears shed and 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 this uh, speech uh, depicting American carnage by then President Elect Donald Trump, uh, it was contrasted by all this joy that you saw expressed, uh, particularly uh, from Harris. What would you say is the historical or the symbolic significance of Harris being uh, Vice President Elect? Well, as you mentioned in your intro, she is the first woman of color, first woman um, in general as the United States vice president. But she represents so much more than that. With her, she brings with her the fullness of a real American story, that of being immigrants from Jamaica, from from South India. Mm. And she embodies so much of, specifically, what so much of America is. Also, as a woman, she is really speaking to this um, this need of the Democratic Party to do more than just symbolically reach out to women, but to have women in elected positions, and particularly women of color. And we saw after the primaries where so many American women were disappointed that we ended up with a cisgendered white male over right. the age of 70. Yeah. It just seemed like more of the norm. So really, showcasing Kamala Harris was the difference, and that's what... Joe Biden wanted to to stay, right? That's what he wanted to put out there and to thank Americans for voting for her in this ticket. Right. And it was notable that he he did mention quite explicitly that he would not have been there uh, without the support uh, of black Americans uh, saying that you had my back and I'm going to have yours. Well, I, I think everyone's going to try to hold him uh, to those promises. Uh, for a lot of people back in 2008, Professor, um, Barack Obama held a lot of significance to many people, uh, even for myself as an Asian American. To me, he was the uh, being born in Hawaii. He was the first president from Hawaii and meant somebody from Hawaii <laughs> could win the presidency. I know for millions of um, African-Americans, obviously, uh, even greater significance. Uh, Do you think similarly uh, with with a lot of uh, young people uh, looking at what happened with the results of 2020, that uh, there can be a similar inspiration from Harris as as a a lot of uh, young girls who will come of age in the next few years will see that uh, this indeed can be done? 
So not only young girls, but also young boys. Mm, mm. What we're seeing now is a shift in political socialization that all Americans can look up and say, I can be this. And also she can be this. So it's, it's not, um, I think, a, a one or the other. The other, the other point I want to mention is, is something that, that you noted, the symbolic representation matters. So seeing someone elected office that looks like you, that mirrors your experiences, right. gives people hope. It provides joy and gives people an understanding that there is not a glass ceiling that they can't break because of their identity background. And I know you've written um, quite prolifically on this uh, can you just explain, because for a lot of people outside of the United States, uh, they might see Harris and, and, and think, okay, there's this one individual, and it's, it's somebody who uh, has ascended to uh, power. Uh, but uh, there are so many people in the background and maybe more prominent as well. But uh, the efforts of people like Latasha Brown and Stacey Abrams, just in the recent years, could you just uh, briefly just tell us about all these efforts that have been made to culminate in this uh, one moment? Oh, that's a oh, perfect setup. Thank you for this for this opportunity. So um, Kamala Harris comes to us most directly from four of the most powerful Democratic Party operatives. These black women, Donna Brazil, Yolanda Carraway, Leah Daltrey, and Mignon, Mon- Mon- Mignon mm. Moore, who worked behind the scenes to present a rationale to the Biden campaign why he needed to select a black woman as his VP. So these dynamic four women presented Biden with a list of qualified, capable um, black women that could have been a Kamala Harris. Right? So again, she is not a unicorn. There are so many others. But, um, but because of Biden's personal relationship with Kamala Harris and the current, or at that time, the current turmoil that the country was, was facing, this um, Black Lives Matter movement, right. the anti-Asian um, violence after the COVID-19 and the way that Trump really ratcheted up rhetoric around xenophobia and racism, made Kamala Harris the perfect pick. But behind that, right, are these black women, like you mentioned, Stacey Abrams, who led Fair Fight, Natasha Brown, who led the New, new uh, Voter Project. These black women political organizers worked with communities to expand civic skills, voter education, and information, as well as provided some um, forms of organic leadership development for, for black and brown communities, people that were outside of the electorate. And we saw in this election what marks it different than any other presidential election, that a vast majority of Americans voted, that were eligible to vote. So Kamala um, and Joe won 76 million voters. Mm. Donald Trump is holding somewhere near around 71. It just expanded the electorate in, in, in new and exciting ways by knocking on doors. And this wouldn't have happened. But I also want to mention that um, this model of engaging communities comes to us directly from black women like Penny Lou Hamer, Ella Baker, and Hakeem Clark, and other black women organizers and politicals whose names we don't call, whose names we don't remember because they fought in the background and were usually silenced by racism and patriarchy. But this is this black woman's playbook that situates community politics at the forefront of electoral politics. And that driving force of uh, leading to whatever electoral victories that the Democrats can in in the recent era enjoy, uh, largely credited to the efforts of black women. Do you feel, though, oftentimes that unlike, let's say, the Republican Party, who seem very much beholden to people like the Tea Party movement or the evangelical Christians, that often it does not necessarily result in uh, an advocacy for the policies that are important to, to black women uh, after winning 
and it, it does feel like it, it's just this constant, constant effort of of getting these people elected into office, and then often uh, being disappointed that the changes that you want to have happen faster just uh, aren't uh, happening fast at all. You're exactly correct, and this is one of the things that Black women, political elites, and communities really, really rally against. It's this transactional nature of politics, and for Black women, what you see is politics is communal. It's mm. about us. It's we. It's not I or me. And this, again, like you can call the names of Latasha Brown and Stacey Abrams. This is the ethos that they are um, putting out there. And that is why it was so important for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden to come out on Saturday night and to thank specific communities and say that we were going to work with you and for you and not just, you know, take your vote and see you again in four years. That the that right. this campaign owes a great deal of debt to to these things that elected them, but in order to pay that back, they have to prioritize their issues and policy preferences. And we're going to continue to see some of that Herculean effort from uh, Stacey Abrams uh, with those two uh, Senate runoff elections in January. Over the next four years, Professor, uh, do you think it will be uh, a difficult road? for Kamala Harris under scrutiny. Uh, I know unfairly criticized for things that are tinged with sexism as well as uh, racism, uh, but also considered to be so-called the putative frontrunner for 2024. And also, I think, a largely a, a, a vessel for a lot of the progressive hopes that uh, people feel that she can um, be sort of the conduit for with what is perceived to be a more centrist, uh, cautious uh, Biden administration. Yeah, you raise excellent points. Um, so, right, so the first is what will we expect to see of her and how will that shape how she's looked at in the media and by Americans? So a lot of this depends on this, um, this Georgia Senate races, yeah. right? If Ossoff and, um, and Warnock get elected, Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker in the Senate, right? It's the Senate, president of the Senate. And I think that will draw a lot of ire, particularly from Republicans who believe that these elections have been stolen from them. She's going to try to push through some of the Biden and Harris ticket as the president of the Senate. And we've already seen Mitch McConnell and even Mitt Romney come out um, and say that they were um, either a don't write or not acknowledging a Biden mm. presidency that's coming from Mitch McConnell or right where Romney does. He was very quick to mention that he doesn't want to see the Green New Deal. He doesn't want to see a Medicare for all. Um, and these are some of the main priorities that the Biden-Harris administration has put forward. So if Kamala Harris becomes the face of this as the president of the Senate, I think, unfortunately, we're going to see a lot, a lot of negativity that yeah. comes her way. And of course, as you mentioned, this will be racist and sexist overtones. And then you also noted as the presumptive foreign runner for 2024, because Biden has already come out and said that he you know, hasn't made um, it a foregone conclusion yeah. that he's going to run in 2024. I think Kamala Harris will be primaried, which will be something, again, there there are no legal um, legal standings. It's just political norms right. that um, you don't run against someone on the ticket. But I, but I think that she will see this, particularly um, from a set, set of men who don't need the, um, the kind of backing or the blessing of the party to say, now it's your turn to run. Yeah. They're just going to get up and say, I'm going to run. Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess nobody thought it would be easy, but uh, we can all hope for the best over the next uh, four years and certainly um, <laughs> a better four years than uh, what happened in the past four. Uh, Professor Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insights and hope to talk to you again soon. I will love that. Love to talk with you again. Thank you so much.